Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. Today we are studying Revelation chapter 20, and we're discussing the millennium, and the millennium are the 1,000 years discussed in Revelation 20. Now, for this broadcast, we have a special handout entitled The Three Views of the Millennium, absolutely free. Uh, Just send an email to askthehost at gmail.com and simply say, send me the Revelation 20 handout. You don't even need to be able to spell millennium to get that. How about that? Let me be honest for a minute, and I'm going to read to you the first sentence I wrote down to introduce this program, and it's this. Revelation chapter 20 is the most important chapter for interpreting Revelation. Now, I stand by that. It it sounds good, and in the process of researching today's show on Revelation 20, I happen to bring up my notes from Revelation chapters 4 and 5, and this is what I said there. Now, you know, I'm being honest here. I could have uh, simply said to myself, oh, nobody will ever remember what I said, but this is what I did say. Revelation chapters 4 and 5 are the two most important chapters in the book of Revelation. Without an accurate interpretation and appreciation of these chapters, you cannot possibly understand St. John's intended message in the book of Revelation. Okay, now, what is it? Is it Revelation 20, or is it Revelation chapters 4 and 5? Now, if you'll cut your host a little slack, I've revised it. Revelation chapters 4, 5, and 20 are the three most important chapters in the book of Revelation, and they are critical for understanding the whole whole interpretation of the book because how you view the millennium and what the millennium is as described in Revelation 20 will cover the whole book. And now, if you can discern why I said both of these two locations in the book of Revelation are so important, 4 and 5 and 20, then you'll have the right view of the millennium in your head. And and here it is. In Revelation 4, I pointed out the supreme importance of the word throne. The word throne is mentioned 13 times in Revelation chapter 4, and the chapter is only 11 verses long. 13 times, and everything involved a very God-centered, theocentric worship of the one seated on the throne. And I said to you, the twin themes, the cousin themes, the heads and the tails, if you'd have a coin for the interpretation of Revelation, kingship and worship. Well, the same thing applies to Revelation 20. It's not different. In fact, in Revelation 20, The verses 4 through 8, the millennium, the 1,000-year question, those four verses have thrones three times as well. So we're back to the idea of kingship. Now, there's a lot of good folks whom I disagree with rather strongly that insist that the 1,000 years mentioned in Revelation chapter 20 have to be interpreted in an exact literal way 
fashion. In other words, the millennium is exactly 1,000 years. And there are literally millions of Christians in America believing this. Now, here's an interesting point. Even though there are millions believing that it's absolutely necessary to take Revelation 20 absolutely literally, I don't know of a single person, now there probably are, but I personally don't know of a single person who takes Revelation 20 literally, who also takes the chapter just before it literally. I mean, where's your principle of interpretation if you have to change them from Revelation 19 to Revelation 20? Because in Revelation 19, we find Christ returning as a warrior to defeat the Antichrist and his followers. And in verse 15 of Revelation 19, it says, from his mouth issues a sharp sword, which with to smite the nations. Now, is Jesus going to come back with a sword sticking out of his mouth, or is this simply a symbolic way of conveying the incredible power from the Word of God proclaiming from heaven whatever it is he says as he returns, and even his Word can defeat the Antichrist? Or is it a literal metal sword sticking out of his mouth? You see, The book of Revelation is a little bit more complicated and say we're just going to take this literally. Here's Revelation 20. Here's the key verses. And notice thrones and notice the thousand years. Millennium is simply based on the Latin word for a thousand. It refers to a thousand years in Revelation 20. Then I saw thrones and those seated on them were those to whom judgment was committed. And I also saw souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony to Jesus, who had not worshipped the beast or its image, and had not received the mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned, this is a kingdom word, reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and they shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be loosed from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations. Now, the big question is, what exactly do these multiple mentions of a thousand years refer to, commonly mentioned as the millennium? There's, there's multiple views of the millennium. There are three main schools. There's some other schools, but there are three main schools, and let me just mention what they are. There's pre-mill, ah-mill, and post-mill. Pre-mill is the premillennialism, and what does this mean? It simply means that Jesus' second coming is pre or before the millennium begins. In other words, this millennium kingdom age is a future period of history that begins after the second coming. And to be quite fair, uh, this view was quite popular in the early church And how do you explain that? I think it's actually rather simple, even though it took me several years to understand why the pre-mill might not be accurate. It's simply this. The pre-mill has 
a lot of characteristics with the Jewish hope for the Messianic age. And as you know, when Jesus came, he really upset the apple cart. He really didn't come as expected. They expected the guy come on, you know, stallions or chariots and overthrow the Romans and liberate Israel from all foreign oppression. And, you know, he ended up being crucified by the Romans. So uh, it took a while for the early church to free itself from Judaism's hopes for a Messianic age. Perhaps there's something much greater. Okay, pre-mill, the first view, is that the millennium begins after Christ's second coming. Okay, it's a future period, after Christ's second coming. Ah-mill, or amillennialism, means that Christ's kingdom isn't a golden age restoration of Old Testament Israel, and it's not something in the distant future, but it's an utter reality in the present. A lot of people think the the very term amel isn't really descriptive because you think, well, then there's no millennium for amillennialism. But no, it, it simply means it's one of stark reality, but it's seen by faith. And the millennium refers to the current kingdom reign of Jesus Christ. Remember the throne vision in Revelation chapter 4? Revelation is just trying to show you, despite all hell breaking loose on earth, despite uh, the empire's oppression of the Christian church, both first century and last century, that there's one seated on a throne. In fact, the book of Revelation opens. You get down just five chap, five verses, excuse me, into the book of Revelation. We see Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. And you get towards the end of the book in chapter 19, what's his name? King of kings and Lord of lords. It's trying to get, you know, there's going to be a rough time ahead, but just remember there's one on the throne. Christ's kingdom, Christ reign for a very long time, not just a literal 1,000 years. 1,000 was a way of saying very simply in the Greek language, in the first century, a long time. A long time, Christ's kingdom will rule on earth. There's some other things that happen at the end of the millennium, but that's a future broadcast. And then there's the third view. We had pre-mill. That's the second comings before, okay, the millennium. The amill, which means it's basically a current reality. Open your eyes. Jesus Christ is on the throne. That's why we worship him the way we do. That's why we genuflect before the great king. And then there's pre-mill, amill, and post-mill. Post-millennialism means that the Lord will return after the millennium, but the millennium begins sometime during the current phase of human history, where the preaching of the gospel and the work of Holy Spirit brings about a period of righteousness and peace, kind of that golden age, utopian period, before the second coming of Christ. So where does this thousand years fit in? You should know that, again, many in the early church were pre-mill, but as the church developed its understanding of the kingdom uh, many, if not most, went to Amil, particularly thanks to St. Augustine, who was very interestingly initially a premillennialist, 
grew and developed, and in the city of God, he retracted that view and established the Amil viewpoint as the dominant viewpoint for centuries. Uh, he believed in the current reign of Jesus. But it's interesting. This isn't just St. Augustine's view and the Catholic view, and it is the view expressed in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, but also the Lutherans, the Reformed. John Calvin thought the um, pre-mill view was a fiction that was too childish to be worth a refutation. He didn't buy it at all. Most of the Protestant reformers were all-mill, except for the radical Anabaptists, and the Orthodox. So it's a prevalent view. The post-mill view was actually rather popular in the United States, late 18th and 19th centuries. And for a couple of reasons, it lost its um, hopeful expectation for the future, um, particularly due to two world wars. And particularly, I don't think we can really appreciate having maybe just being a baby boomer and living after World War II, but World War I was a, a, a terrible, terrible weight upon the spirit of a very optimistic world with industrialization and modernization. And everybody thought, you know, we were just entering, you know, this nirvana of a world and then have such gruesome fighting as in World War I and using all this human technology to slaughter millions. It changed the outlook of the future quite a bit. And then also, even though that post-mill was a, uh, a viewpoint held by genuine believers, the social gospel folks took it over. And it wasn't the preaching of the gospel and Holy Spirit to bring about the Golden Age, which was kind of like a semi-socialist um, viewpoint like's being advocated today. And as a result, a lot of people flipped from post-mill to pre-mill and forgot all-mill. Well, there's more to say, but if I confused you, just remember that the millennium is the current kingdom reign of Jesus Christ. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 120 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com. 